Are you a human being? Are you also a Browns fan? Well, if you said yes to both of those things, then there's a good chance you're probably a little tired of our local Cleveland Brown sports media. Same old thing, day after day, night after night. It's time to hang the cleats up. It's time to pass the torch. If you're looking for something fun, something fresh, something where four people literally smack themselves in the face over and over with hot take after hot take, then my boys at Down With The Browns is where you want to be. It's just good for your soul. Available on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Twitter. Getting done with the Browns. And welcome back to another episode of Dying with the Browns, baby. How are we feeling? How are we feeling, boys? Lombardi trophy. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome (laughs) so far. George Pickens is what? George Pickens is a liar. George Pickens is a liar. Come on, man. Uh Uh-oh. You're you're really telling me um, now. Of course, this is Steelers week, so we gotta we gotta bring up what the Pittsburgh Steelers have been doing. They got blown out by San Fran last week, and the big talk is okay. Well, is George Pickens happy where he's at? He's throwing the you know the the little the little tantrums on the sidelines. He's liking comments on Instagram. Oh, I didn't see comment. Come on. Yeah, I don't do that Instagram. Come on, come on, man. We we reminds me of a certain. It reminds oh, me of yeah. a certain incident. Oh, yeah. Free George Pickens, baby. Free him. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds that's me of That's the internal fire that's starting in there. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, what a great weekend. What a great mm-hmm. week one. Pittsburgh got walked into their own territory right there in the old ketchup packet, whatever it's called now. <laughs> Just had their jugular kicked in. By the 49ers, Brock Purdy and them boys walked in, said, It's going to be a reminiscent of the Dark Knight Returns, baby, or the Dark Knight Rises. Beautiful. They just trounced them. Yeah. And then the Browns. The Browns. Looked up on them Kentucky River Cats, 24 to 3. What, a, what an absolute shellacking. Absolutely. It was such an ugly game, too, though. Like, I, I, I mean, Dave, I, I don't know how things were looking out in your neck of the woods, but it, for the two, three days prior um, up here in Cleveland, it was nothing but just hot, you know, sunny, sunny and 75 yeah. up here. Uh, you, you know, we saw little things on the weather report, but everybody was saying, oh, you know, by kickoff, it'll be sunny. And then it starts just coming down while and we're out there tailgating. Long. And I'm just, I'm just thinking to myself. I was like, it, it's just going to be one of those ugly days, right? You, you know, yeah. the Browns started out slow. the The defense was always there. You know, yep. they they didn't yeah. they they didn't um you, you know Elite. change Elite. change change at all. But um, I really liked what I saw out of this team. It really seems like they are a different unit this year. Um, because how many times have you seen the Browns lose the turnover battle but win the game? I mean, they they struggled at first, but they figured it out. They adjusted and they finished, um, which that's, that's something point. that we haven't seen out of Kevin Stefanski's Browns, right? You know, yeah. they do the, yeah. the the whole the whole rumor used to be that Kevin Stefanski couldn't figure it out figure it out after the ten play scripted, um, you know, call sheet. But 
I, they they figured out how to get everything together on offense, and they finished that game with some ugly weather. So it was. I yeah. absolutely loved what I saw. Yeah, they could. Mm-hmm. I think if the weather was better, they probably could have dropped forty. I think they still could have dropped forty in that weather had he hit Marquise Brown. Let me tell you, that first go route to Marquise Brown, he was open by ten yards, and he underthrew him. The second time he was open, he was open by six yards and he underthrew him. I think if he hits both of those shots, um, yeah. you know, that's a that's a that's a different ball game, but it was a shellacking in that yeah. weather. Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. But in, oh go ahead, Jack. Go ahead. Oh, um, actually I was gonna bring up a stat. I didn't know if anybody else was gonna bring any thoughts up, and I didn't want to interrupt anybody by accident. Um, however, um, I know the weather did play a factor, but statistically, this was a pretty huge game for the Browns, not only on um, defense, but offense as well. However, for the defensive side, uh, I know Joe Burrow did not have his best game, but he threw for over 30 attempts. I can't remember the exact amount. And only three times in the last decade has a quarterback thrown over 30 attempts and had under a hundred passing yards. Yeah. Christian, you probably remember one of those games because you and I were there. 2014, a man by the name of Andy Dalton uh, had under a hundred. Uh, remember the game when Sam Darnold said he was seeing ghosts in 2019? That's the other one. Wow. And then this past Sunday. So those are the only three times in the last decade. Granted, weather was a factor, but that speaks volumes for the improvement of this defense from last sure. year. It's a complete 180. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. But, yeah, that was the stat I wanted to throw out there. But, well, well, Jake, you know, you're, you're talking about stats, um, and, and I, I'm sorry to cut you off, KFC, but go I ahead. Totally forget if I don't mention this. Um, but I did see that. Did you see that graphic on ESPN, um, the five quarterbacks that threw for under three yards in attempt? And Spurgeon Wynn was one of them. Yeah. Oh, I did not. Spurgeon Wynn. Wow. Yeah, I thought I that, that was the stat that you were going to bring up. But, um, I mean, to your point, <laughs> what's up, Summer? <laughs> no, but I love your stat, too. Your stat's good. I like it. <laughs> but, so, what, what were you going to say, KFC? You know, we do have a special guest here tonight. I didn't mention it when we first got on here because I wanted to make a huge announcement for when he joined up. And he's here in the background right now. It's the greatest sports reporter in all of the world. It's Noah Waskoff. Noah hates that. You know it. What's up, Noah? What's up? How are you? What's up? We're doing good. We're doing good. Good. So how you feeling after that big Browns W? It was quite the energy down there. Um, I mean, just wild atmosphere. Um, like you, I think you guys already talked about it a little bit, but that rain, um, oh, yeah. rain on the fans, like, wild. Was I so mean, cool. it just was like a rain cloud sitting over the stadium the entire game. Because at night on the way back, I mean, there was nobody, or I mean, I'm sorry, there was no rain, there was no water on any of the roads. Like, it was just right over the stadium. So it was quite oh, yeah. interesting, but. Certainly, uh, certainly an interesting game too. <laughs> yeah, it was. What's funny is it rained most of the game, and me and Mac, where we had sat originally, 
was right under like the little um I don't know what you call it overhang. So like we didn't even get hit for like most of the game. Yeah, that's kind of nice. sick. Nice. Yeah, that was not us. <laughs> for sure. But uh you know here at Down with the Browns, we do have a few segments. And starting off the segment set, uh, portion of this episode, there is a new segment from Mac the Buffalo. Don't oh, know what it's at, called. Look at him. But he's got something cooking. So let's hear it, Mac. Oh, so, um, you know, I a lot of people tell me that I get fired up. Um, I, get a, I get a little angry sometimes. So I figured that I would turn that um, into an actual productive rant. Uh, so this is what I like to call the angry Buffalo hour. Uh, the reason why I say hour is that people that don't like hearing me talk think that I ramble on for hours. So when you really think about it, the three and a half hour drive to Cincy isn't that far. This is Mac with the, with the angry Buffalo hour. It's very hard to be angry after a blowout win versus a division rival. It's even harder to heavily criticize a player when his side of the ball put up 350 yards of total offense. 206, which was on the ground. Of course, in life, we see people bask in success while doing nothing. Edison stole from Tesla. Al Gore claimed he invented the internet. And even I receive attention for women just simply because my dog's cute. But it's another thing to soak in that team's success when you're actively dragging them down like Kenny Pickett drags down the Steelers' offense. Of course, I'm talking about dead wills. For some reason, this fourth-year player dodges criticism like Joe Mixon dodges assault charges. He's only 24. His ankle hurts. There's no better replacement left tackle out there. Lies. What does that have anything to do with his unwillingness to give effort on the field? Wills has worse stamina than a guy who has ED in bed. This week, everyone is talking Jack Conklin being lost for the year for, um, lost for the year to IR. But the voices are quiet as to why. Anybody watching the replay can see another instance of Wills getting blown by in his pass set instead of selling out to make the block. He just leans and puts his body weight on the rusher. Normally, this would result in a sack or the QB escaping the pocket, but this time the defender was pushed right into the knee of Conklin, causing a season-ending injury. Sure, let's talk about the worst matchup of TJ Watt versus the rookie, Dewan Jones, but Alonzo Highsmith has been crowned by Pittsburgh fans as Jed Wills' daddy for the past two years, and the film proves the nickname right. Hopefully, this is Jed's wake-up call because the only difference between him and a trash can lining up a left tackle is the trash can won't get x-rays after the game in an attempt to excuse its bad play. This is Mac with the angry Buffalo hour. Outstanding. Oh Outstanding. Bro, you, you can tell me. Excuse my projecting. But that, that was like one that felt like a rage room rant right there. Yeah. So that's yeah. Like. Got it. Um, Do you feel better? So, yeah. Uh, so what's it's like, next? It's like day? one of the uh, I'll go ahead and get the dog of the week, the KFC dog <laughs> of the week. Uh, it can go to none other than Jim Schwartz, you know, oh guy came God. in, what a great pick. I mean, yeah. just came in, showed his dominance <laughs> at play calling from the rip, had pressure on Joe Burrow from the very first snap of the football game, only allowed three points this week. Versus a team that was in the AFC Championship for the past two years. Yep. The highest paid quarterback was on the other side of the field or on the other side of the ball from this defense. Only allowed 142 total yards. Only allowed six first downs in the game. Had two sacks and had 13 third down stops. 
was two for 15 on third down. Big. That's called elite play calling right there. So, Jim Schwartz, you are the KFC Dog of the Week. Well done. Well done. Great pick. Great pick, Christian. Yeah, and we got a little trivia. A little Woo! trivia going on from Jake from Stat Farm. Um, now, before I do my trivia, um, believe it or not, um, a lot of people will talk about how good Nick Chubb is and all these other players, Garrett. Um, you've got to add Stefanski to that list, Christian, because his play calling Sunday was very phenomenal. There was yeah. not a single questionable call. Last year, we would be talking about this play on third and three, that play on second and ten or whatever. That was not the case Sunday. Anyways, we'll probably get to that later. But now this is time for your insured trivia question. This is not sponsored by State Farm. Um, and this question, <laughs> this question's not going to be as hyped up as last week's question. This question's right. going to be a little more on the depressing side of things. Oh. How many wins in the expansion era? We're sticking with the expansion era because the majority of us are fans within the expansion era. How many wins in the expansion era do the Cleveland Browns have at Pittsburgh since 99? How many wins have we had on the road? Yes. Uh, One. Are you including the playoff game? Yes, I am. Okay. Is it two? Um, It's got to be two, right? I'm I'm locking in my answer with two. I don't know if that's right or not. So that's what I'm locking in with. What's everybody else got? Noah, you want to give it a try, buddy? Um, it got to be more than two. I think it's going to be eight or nine. Uh, that's a little high, Mac. Did you make a guess? Uh, I mean, I'd 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 say three. Um, because I I know I know the playoff win. Um, and I want to say that we got one early on, like before like 2005 and then somewhere between like 2012 and like 2014. Ladies and gentlemen, Mac is correct. We have had only three wins at Pittsburgh since 1999. The first win was in our, yeah, our first win was in the very first year of the expansion era, November 14th, when we won 16-15 to with Couch. Again, we beat them on uh, Sunday Night Football in 2003 by a score of 33-13. to This was Tim Couch's breakout game, essentially, and Dalen McCutcheon ran a huge pick six in that game. And then, of course, our wonderful playoff game, which is easily the greatest game uh, in the expansion era that we have had. So, two of those wins came by Tim Couch, but we've had three wins. The rest of them have sadly been losses. Yep, and it's about to be uh, four. Monday you night. Know, okay, so I want to say this before we continue. You know, one thing I've noticed over the last few days, in Kevin Stefanski's tenure with the Browns, we've had a lot of firsts. Since, since, like, you know, the first time we've won a game on the road week one, first time we've won at home week one, first time we've went to the playoffs, the first time we've won a playoff game. Like, Kevin Stefanski, as much as we've dogged him, 
I mean, last year toward the end of the year, I was dogging him. I ain't going to lie. I was mad. I, that is not how I wanted the season to turn out. I ain't going to lie. But, you know, looking back at it, I was wrong. Kevin, I'm sorry. Please forgive me because I see the lot. Kevin is the best coach we have had since before the Browns moved. I'll just say that. If you want to fight me, fight me. You ain't Better than Butch Davis? Yeah. Better than Eric Mangini? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, take, yeah. Take me to the ring, <laughs> and I'm walking out of Victor because I'm dying on that hill. I mean, the only there, there's only really two coaches in the history of this franchise that I can think of that are better than K, that that have a better resume than Kevin Stefanski. Um, one being, uh, you know, Paul Brown, uh, and the second being Marty Schottenheimer. You know, so uh, like it's. And it really – I don't know I don't know about you guys, but it, it really seems different this year. And I know i know we talk about that every single year, you, you know. Um, but yeah. just kind of orga- organizationally top down. Um, I really do think that last year – now, while they made this move for Deshaun Watson and they realized that last year more than likely wasn't going to be their year, I do think that at the end of the year they really looked internally, right? And it was it, it almost kind of seemed like a, a wake up call because, you know, between the quick turnover um, on their staff, you know, they immediately went out and they got their guys and they didn't fool around either. Right. I mean, the mm-hmm. second that they knew that Bubba Ventron was available, um, you know, they went and got that upgrade. Um, you know, it didn't take long for them to hire <coughs> Jim Schwartz. Uh, you know, they do. Their, they did their due diligence um, with the interviews. But, you know, once they once they had him in the building, it wasn't long. Uh, before they hired him. Um, And then, you know, even going to Jake's point here uh, with Stavansky's play calling, uh, he didn't get too cute. Now, were there some really cool things um, that were a little bit different that we haven't seen before? Um, You know, the Chubb Wildcat that turned into that boot. I I mean, that was sick. If if it was not, I'm I'm fully convinced in, in like how Dave brought it up earlier in the show here. Um, You you know, if the, if the weather wasn't what it is, um, you know, there were, Two two times. Um, now I want to say that there was a third because uh, Marquise Goodwin was targeted three times in the game, but there was two yeah. times where Stefanski dialed up that deep ball and it was there. It and was, it was there. open, man. It, it was, was just the timing. I'm, yeah. I, I'm I'm excited. And, they'll you know, get that down. They'll get yep. that down. Yeah. But oh, uh, you know, let's just dig into a week one recap. Um, I'll just sure. break down the, just the, the big headliner stats real quick. Uh, the Browns win 24-3 to at home versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Watson with two <laughs> touchdowns. Uh, Nick Chubb, 18 carries, 106 yards. Uh, Elijah Moore, the leading receiver with three receptions, 43 yards. And Joe Burrow, 14 for 31, 82 yards. Mixing 13 yep. carries, 56 yards. Jamar Chase, 5 for 39. And total yards, Browns, 305 Bengals, 142. Six, six first downs for the Bengals, 21 for the Browns. So, boys, let's dig in. Noah, we'll start with you. What is, What did you see from the Browns week one that impressed you? I mean, I think the obvious thing and the thing that everyone needs to be talking about is the defense, right? Um, mm-hmm. Stemming from right when Jim Schwartz was hired, there were several people that I talked to that raved about just who he is as a person 
and where he came from. I mean, this is a defensive coordinator who won a Super Bowl. This is a guy who's been a head coach in the league. So he has a ton of experience, and players right off the bat could tell that he had that experience and knew that if they were to just listen to him and take his advice and run and play in this scheme, then they, were, then they would be successful. And I think that that's almost – it was almost like super predictable this whole offseason to tell that this defense was going to be the way it was with their three mm-hmm. corners, Denzel Ward, Greg Newsom, Martin Emerson, those three guys – being able to play man-to-man, allowing Jim Schwartz to send blitzes, a ton of blitzes. I think after the game, Anthony Walker told us that that was the most he's ever blitzed in a game in his entire career. Um, yeah. So being able to send five guys, six guys, and when two of them on the line are Darius Smith and Miles Garrett, someone's going to get home. And allowing those guys on the outside to play one-on-one in man coverage, if you're only yeah. giving back one and a half to two seconds to throw the ball before you're in his face, if that – then it's mm-hmm. going to be hard for those receivers to create separation right off the bat. So that defense, um, I said it before the year started, I still think that that defense is going to be able to carry the Browns to wins throughout the season. Heck yeah. And you called a well few said. of their moves. You called a few of their moves. And you called the uh, Zadarius Smith move. Yes. Well, that yeah, we did side. not forget about that, Noah. We did yeah. not forget about Dude, it. We that was so it. under the radar, too. Like, nobody expected the Browns to scoop up the Darius Smith well, except for I Noah. Mean, I, yeah, I was about to say Noah did. So. Well, yeah, Noah Browns, knows it. <laughs> there was that mutual interest year from last last offseason, too. So that wasn't just something that came out of nowhere. Zadarius had, has been a fan of Cleveland and what they're doing here. Um and Miles Garrett obviously loves to he loves he loved the idea of play with Miles Garrett. So that that was stemming from a while back. But you know, as soon as the uh, as soon as the Browns were able to make a move like that, they uh, they didn't hesitate. And Andrew Barry made that move right away. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Dave, what did you see? Listen, I saw I saw absolute perfection. Is what I saw. <laughs> oh, I, I was good. so unbelievably blown away. Um, and. I've been down there so many times on that opening game. And when we got down there, we got down there probably about, um, I guess it was close to nine. And from what we're used to seeing on a home opener, and I don't know if anybody can comment on this that was down there as well, but it was dead. There was not a lot of, I know the Muni was going, but outside of the Muni West six, you know, the Barley house and the street, uh, the street tailgate where I was at, it was dead. And walking into the stadium, we go into the stadium early because I like to see, you know, the warm-ups and the kickers kick in and stuff like that, especially with Dustin Hopkins coming on board. Um, I want to see a couple of those other things. Plus, the weather was was crappy. Um, it was just dead. Walking down the stadium, there was just not a big crowd. It was just disheartening. So I don't know if people are just tired of being sold the line of goods and people are just finally fed up with it. But a lot of people who did not decide to go down to that game missed an absolute beautiful specimen of a game. Um, you know, I was lucky enough, and I'm as the what's up, Manny and Jordan? I see you. My nephews are on Jordan Preston. My mom's watching. Yeah. I just want to say oh. hey to everybody real quick. Um, you know, I was I'm old enough as the old man on this show. I was old enough to watch the '85 Bears. I was a big Bears fan growing up. I grew up in yeah. Chicago, Illinois. I watched that defense with my own eyes, and I also watched that Browns defense with my own eyes. And let me tell you something: there are massive similarities in those squads. That defense was elite Sunday. It wasn't great. It was elite. That defense mm-hmm. 
carry them to a championship. I've said it before a couple weeks ago. I still believe it in my heart now after seeing it. The Browns can compete for the Super Bowl this year. They can go to Las Vegas. I'm telling you, the prices as this season goes on, the odds for the Browns winning the Super Bowl are going to get better, and the prices for mm-hmm. those Las Vegas hotels are going to get worse. So if you can, if you have extra cash on the side and you're planning on being there for the Brown Super Bowl, get your stuff booked right now in Las Vegas because with the defense, the way it showed, that was elite 85 Bears defense kind of stuff. And I think they could actually be better than that. I really do. Go look Heck at yeah. the stats after a couple weeks go. of the 85 Bears first couple games versus what we're doing. You know, Joe Burrow is not the highest paid quarterback of all time. He is the highest paid player in the history of the NFL just recently. And what they did to him was just unbelievable. And I think his small sure. hands played a bigger part in that in that game than everybody likes to admit. I know Joe Burrow made jokes about how he gets to, you know, continue his career in the NFL with his little hands. Um, I'm telling you, his small hands affected him in that weather. Keep an eye on Joe Burrow in, in detrimental weather because so, that ball was not coming out of his hand the right way. It wasn't. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, the defense is dominant. I like how you predicted that blowout. You're the only person on the pod last week that predicted the blowout. I oh, felt man. it in my I soul, man. I just <laughs> – I Your soul's right. I want to uh, yeah. get what you think on the on the money line this week so I can put money on that. I told you, I, I, 17 plus. I think the Browns win by 17 plus, and I got Man. absolutely scathed by Pittsburgh fans when I tweeted that. Hey, they but, can cry. They can yeah, cry. I think it's 17 plus. I think I think we uh, minimize the impact of T.J. Watt with a couple things. I think we chip on him. I think Nick Chubb and the running game are going to minimize him. I think what me and Mac were talking about earlier – um, you know, the Browns, you know, they're going to get the ball out a little quicker. I think we are going to minimize the impact of T.J. Watt on this game. I think Dewan Jones is going to have a good game. Is it going to give up a sack? Probably. Probably. I don't think Jonathan Ogden could keep T.J. Watt from, from getting a sack in a game, probably. The, the kid's phenomenal. I mean, he's amazing. But I don't think he's going to be as impactful as Steelers fans feel. And I think the Browns blow out the Steelers again this week. <laughs> And th- listen, I've been a I've been a huge critic of the Browns. I've been a huge critic of Paul D. Podesta and uh, Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski. When it was deserved, I'll unleash on them. And I, and I have never felt this kind of chemistry and this culture in this team ever. Yeah. This is going to be yeah. the season. Browns fans, put your seatbelts on. This is the season we have been waiting for our entire lives. All you old fogies out there that, you know, aren't like these young kids, all you old fogies out there that know what I'm talking about, the misery, the walk of shame up that hill after blowout, after blowout down there. Oh, that hill sucks. This is going to be the season we have been waiting for our entire lives. Let's go, Browns. Let's go, baby. So, Matt, let's hear what you got to say about week one. I mean, we did it in the game together. Yeah. Yeah, um, and, and I mean, you know, it was. I, I mean, it, to to say it to say it short, um, you, you know, the Browns kept it simple, and they did simple really well. I mean, we're talking about you know uh, a kicker that was just brought in what uh, a week, week and a half prior, and he was automatic, made his extra point, made two kicks, 
um, you know, between between what um, there was one one b- uh, between thirty and thirty nine, two between uh, forty and forty nine. Uh, you had yeah. an offense that just kept it simple, ran the ball, utilized play action well. Um, you know, one of my biggest criticisms of Deshaun Watson last year was um, he, he held on to the ball too long. Um, you, you know, when it wasn't it, it wasn't his his physical tools, it was mm-hmm. just it, it was up here. Um, and there was a lot yeah. of times where I loved his play on Sunday because you could you could see it. If he didn't know where to go, he would just pull it down and run or he would right. throw the ball out of bounds. Like, you know, his decision making on Sunday very much impressed me. And then to go back to the defense, man, you know, how many times in the past two years did we talk about Joe Woods not utilizing man coverage that we had mm-hmm. th- that we had a bu- all these athletic corners? Um, you know, but we would just try and play zone and it just wouldn't, wouldn't work. Well, we brought in Jim Schwartz and Jim Schwartz loves man coverage. And my goodness, I I mean, you know, if you would have told me before Sunday that T Higgins would have eight targets and zero catches, I wouldn't believe you. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wish somebody would have told me that. So I wouldn't have started him in fantasy. Oh, that'd have been nice. Yikes. Yeah. That's I still won. I still won. Anyways, back to what you're saying. Yeah, you know, but <laughs> again, they they kept it simple and they did simple really well. And like it's they they didn't start out too hot on offense, but they finished this game and they figured it out. And you know, especially yeah, let let's be honest, whether you want a dome or not, that lease isn't renewing till 2028. So this Cleveland weather, it's just something that we're gonna have to that we're going to have to deal with. And it's yep. something these players yeah. are going to have to deal with. And we're going to yeah. have these ugly games, right? But to oh, be yeah. able to blow out the our rival in those nasty weather games is awesome. I loved it. Um, you, you know, and I think this is, a, like like Dave said, I, I think it's this is a good thing to come, right? Like a lot of good signs here. A lot of, yeah. especially for the first game of the season, there's so much good stuff to build build off of. And right. just like how we said earlier, there's still some room for improvement. So we got a really good game, but we still haven't gotten the Browns' best game of the season, and I cannot wait for it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, Jake, what would you see? Uh, actually, uh, has Noah went yet? Because I'd like to go last. Yeah, oh. you're last. Oh, so Noah has went. Okay, sorry. I was looking at my computer going through some numbers and stuff. Um, honestly, the the, the – my least favorite part of the game was the fact that I wasn't there. I was jealous of all of you guys that were for several reasons. Um, but truthfully, overall, I already mentioned Stefanski's play calling. That was one thing that popped out. The defense, of course, made a 180. We brought that out. Deshaun Watson, he, of course, uh, looked completely different from last year. Matt brought that out. Uh, Chubb was Chubb. Um and truthfully, I know it was – people want to try to make weather as an excuse, but weather was not the reason that our defensive line was in the backfield so much. I don't care what the temperature was, how much rain there was. Our defensive line was getting back there regardless. Everybody – did you guys see some of the plays when Miles Garrett was at like middle linebacker 
and he looked like he was pretending like to dribble a basketball pre-snap. That was so hype. That was oh so gosh. When I saw that, man, I went nuts. Do you know the type of swag you have to have to fake, like, air dribble the ball in an NFL football game? Yep. Joe yes. Burrow is trying to check it. Yeah, and they one, couldn't stop it. One point there, one second, he was in there forcing Joe Burrow to come up into that pocket. Gosh. One point right. one second. That was and unbelievable there were, seeing him at defensive tackle. And there were so many plays where he just knew that Joe Burrow knew if I don't just get rid of this right now, I'm gonna get pummeled. And he just had to throw it to the ground or just throw it away out of bounds. There were a couple of questionable throws that I thought were intentional grounding, but that's another story for another day. Now, I'm not the one that tries to get my hopes up too high too early. I used to do that, and I have learned my lesson on that. But I can say this for sure. Whether or not, technically, we allowed the least amount of yards out of all the teams in the NFL. We allowed 142 total yards against the Cincinnati Bengals which is the least out of every single one of them. I truly believe this defense, you take, I'll say it like this. Preach it. You take right now the top three defenses in the National Football League. I truly believe this. Number one, probably the San Francisco 49ers. Number two, the Dallas Cowboys. Number three, the Cleveland Browns. I truly believe that right now. Again, it's week one, but I think our defense is third in the National Football League right now. And that is without Juwan Thornhill. Who knows what's going to happen with him? Dude, I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see him. When I saw that get announced that he wasn't playing, I was kind of upset because I wanted to see Juan back there because, you know, watching him in the preseason, watching him through training camp, you just kind of saw that leadership, and I was like, well – I don't know if they're if the secondary is going to take that step like back because he's not out there. He's usually like if that guy's doing all that in preseason, and he's not there. You might see like a little, you know, kind of let down. But dude, these dudes in the secondary are mm-hmm. even more locked down than I thought. MJ Emerson, we might have, like legit like dominant the rough third round pick. Like I mean, last year I was real hopped on him. But I was thinking like he was like a good to great like. Maybe I told you he, he, he already. No 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 no. no. I, was, I wasn't hating. No 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 no. I, I I agreed with you, bro. I knew he was good. I knew he was good. But like, dude, like this cat, if he keeps grinding the way he's grinding, he can be top five. I I you can clip that, cut that, take it to the bank, dude. He could be top five. Like I'm yeah. not even. Well, here's I'm something not, like, to to, to note here. Um, for everybody listening at home, something that I picked up re-watching this game, Ronnie Hickman was in the game early. There was a lot of three safety looks with Delpit, McLeod, yep. and Hickman. So yep. now mm-hmm. what they're going to do next week is they're going to have Thornhill, Delpit, um, and McLeod out there. So it, there, there's just, just like with the defensive line, there's going to be a solid rotation in the backfield. And depth on defense is extremely important because you, you know when you can when you can make plays with several different guys, the flexibility of moving people around, um, and that's what's really helped Miles out in this game. Um, you, you know, for his for his 
much crap as we gave Joe Woods last year for um, not doing enough, uh, like on on defense. There was only so many places he could put Miles Garrett, just simply because you move Miles Garrett out of that defensive end spot. You know, the guy lined up behind him on the depth chart is almost a liability sometimes, mm-hmm. but you don't have that anymore. Um, yeah. You know, so it's it's going to be really really great to see uh, Juan Thornhill out there next Monday. Um, just I, I mean, we're going to see this this defense at full throttle. But uh, I mean, like I said earlier, the Browns' best game this year is yet to come, and we just blew out the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. So who were your seatbelts two years ago? Yeah. You know, you know what's let's, crazy? Let's go for a ride. I don't know if mm-hmm. you guys have ever felt this way, but it feels like the Browns have always been like that team that has that like they're really good on one side of the ball. Like one year will be like phenomenal on the offense, and then kind of like a days of cool mid tier defense. Then the next year it's like crappy offense, great defense, and it's just like vice versa. I feel like this is going to be that year that it finally gets all put together because we have all the right pieces. Yes, that that's sense. the difference. It is. Yep. I think you just said yep. a lot of that too, but yeah, yeah, I'm hyped. No doubt. Anyways, who's one guy that stood out in the week one W that you you guys were just like jaw dropped, just so hyped? You're like, okay, he's got that dog in him. Who is that one play? We'll start with you, Mac. Player, not player. Ooh, um, I, I mean that's well. This is going to sound crazy because if you look Maybe. at the stat sheet, you're, you you look at the stat sheet and you're going to say, yeah. "What? I mean, what what the hell? He didn't he didn't do anything." But Marquis Goodwin, I'm telling you, man, He's he is going he to be the game changer to this yeah. offense because the Browns' passing attack, and I'm talking about the the last time. Because I, I, I mean, you can't even you can't even count guys like Travis Benjamin because I there's you, you know, and that's why they held on for to Anthony Schwartz for so long, right? You know, you can't mm-hmm. teach Olympic speed. That's something that's that's rare that you only find in some instances. Well, Marquise Goodwin has it, and I'm telling you, man. <laughs> yes, Chris. We got to just get the ball to him because it, he was just torching the secondary, and it. And it it almost looks like effort effortlessly with how he runs, which again makes sense because he is a world class sprinter, right? At wide receiver. But here's the thing, Browns fans, this one can catch. <laughs> that's so, true. Yeah. So hey. that's one. Uh, now you know. Again, granted, you know nothing on the stat sheet. Only three targets. Um, and nothing. <laughs> we're, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about that in a moment. We're gonna talk about Bro. that in a moment, Drew. Hold that thought. Hold that thought. Um, but y- you know, I was just really impressed with the way that Stefanski is scheming to get this guy open because it's only a matter of time before we just see that big play, and I'm ready for it. Yeah. Yeah. Can I add on top of that real quick, yeah. Max? For yeah, anybody sure. who doesn't know about Marquis Grubwin, if you want to be a fan of his. Go back and watch his introductory press conference when he was activated. Um, I don't know if everybody knows he had blood clots in his lungs. Mm -hmm. He had a lot of health problems that were keeping him off the field. And if you want to be a Goodwin fan, go watch his press conference and watch the way that young man talks, and you will instantly like Marquise Goodwin. 
you will pull yeah. for him and you'll see, you know, not only is he going to be an impact player for us on splash plays, hopefully this year, but he is a good mm-hmm. quality guy to have in that locker room. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. For sure. And Jake, who is that one player that stood out oh, the most? It's gosh, you could really, you could go all day with this. Um, we can name Chubb. We can name Garrett. We can name a ton more. One player that probably stood out to me, of course, Dustin Hopkins made all those kicks. If Cade York is in that game, does he make those kicks? Probably not. But I feel like that's that's obvious. But anyways, uh, the one that stood out to me, Zadarius Smith. Man, great. He he made Garrett's job a hundred times easier. If you had um, Jadavian Clowney in there, Olivier Vernon in there, any other guy that they've tried to get to help out Miles Garrett, Miles Garrett would not have been able to be as effective um, yeah. as he was Sunday. And Zadarius Smith did his job. He was there to do what he was supposed to do. The very first play, I thought he was going to throw Joe Burrow on the ground. And uh, he just Definitely. showed up. So give me Zadarius Smith. Heck yeah! Great choice. DM, who do you got, dude? There is like like Jake just said, and like Max said, there is like ten to twelve people you could put on this list. But to me, without a doubt, Grant Delpit in that secondary, flashing around like the All Pro safety that he is going to be this year. I mean, he was sticking it on the runs. He was filling gaps. He was covering uh, crossing routes. He was covering outside. He was crossing uh, mid-outs. I mean, he was literally everywhere on that field, not only to lead the team in tackles, um, but, uh, I mean, he is showing the leadership, and you could see that they mm-hmm. love playing with Grant Delpit. They love being there with him, and he is showing the leadership that is setting himself apart. He is going to be, when it's all said and done, I think Delpit's probably going to be one of our most impactful players on that defense. And that's crazy to say because there's so many impactful players there. You know, Miles and everybody else. It's just nuts. But Grant Delpit is my personal. I enjoyed watching him the most. Do you you remember remember a little conversation that we we had KFC a couple couple months ago? Remember? uh, Remember? Remember that about the Grant Delpit, you know, no, and, uh, we about his about his coverage skills, and everybody said, "Oh no, he can't play free safety." Yeah, everybody's like, "No, man, he can't play free safety." Even though most of his snaps last year was in the free safety position. You, you, you remember, know? remember? Yeah, no, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah. And he's I had three two points. Yeah, you you pointed it out to oh. me, and then we I, I backed you up because you know talking heads were saying that he wasn't a free safety and he couldn't play free safety, even though at LSU he did play free safety. Well, did you pay attention to the Good Morning Football um, uh, in America clip when they uh-huh. were talking about Grant Delpit? What'd they say? So, so Jason McCourty uh, goes through, um, you, you know, his uh, his outstanding DBs for the week, right? So he yeah. brings up Grant Delpit. I believe he listed him at either three or four on his top five list. Um, yeah. Listed him as a free safety. Huh. Huh. How about that? We love it. We love it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but I'm going to give you guys my player that stood out to me the most. It might be just kind of just the easy pick. But it is Deshaun Watson. To see him play the way he did. And, Jake, like you said, 
you don't like to hear the weather excuse. I think some of right. that it made it made the ball early on. I think it made it a little harder to grip. So I think that's why he kind of was underthrowing it. But if you guys yeah. did not hear, he said that he had to get an IV at halftime. Mm-hmm. So I think that was a lot of his struggles the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, so once he got that IV, he came back in the second half and he looked a lot sharper in that second half. Stuff was moving better. If you mm-hmm. notice, we only scored ten in the first half and we scored fourteen in the second half. So, yeah. you know, I think that it was, was crazy it was, when I heard he had an IV at halftime. That was, yeah, no, uh, I know. I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, because yeah. he said his whole body was cramping. Yeah. But you know, first game this year, home opener to go against the Bengals, big rival, put up. To uh, I want to say it was a little bit over 200 yards and two touchdowns. And the way he ran the ball, that's something we've not had in Cleveland. It was it was just so nice to see because it wasn't like he was just like – he just could run. He could run. Like, he was running and made big plays, like multiple first downs. Like that big third down conversion early on in the game where he walked up and went, you know, a little under his nose point for the first down on Dax Hill. I love that. And then the touchdown in the first half, like it's just so good to have a quarterback mm-hmm. that's so dynamic. Yeah. So that's what stood out to me. And he runs with such power too. People, that's the one part of his game I didn't know existed was he yeah. like he has power. Like it is hard yeah. to bring him down. When you see him dragging defensive tackles, you know that there's something special there with his running game. It ain't just flashing speed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know. We can't just talk about the Bengals all week, you know. I mean, as yeah. much as as much as they like to claim that was our Super Bowl, our eyes are no longer on nah. them. No, nah, because baby. we own them. We're on the Popesburg. It's stealing week, baby. It is stealing week. Oh God! And uh, as much as it's, it's it's great to beat the Bengals, I want to I want to just cram it down Pittsburgh's throat. I'm tired of hearing about Kenny Pickett. They're still talking about right, Baker. The dude got blown out. Okay, blown out by San Francisco, but yet they're bad. still talking about Kenny Pickett about how he's going to come back. Dude's never thrown for two touchdowns in a game in his entire career, and it's been fourteen games that he's yeah. just going to magically turn it around against mm-hmm. a. Which you know, call me crazy, but I think that between us and San Fran, pretty similar skill wise, defensively, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. But offensively, though, that's where it's a huge difference. I mean, you go yeah. look at the stats from last week. Mm-hmm. The 49ers freaking dominated them. And Najee Harris ran the ball six times. 31 yards. Yeah. He looks slow. He's not – his cuts He's, don't look he, as good. He looks slow. He don't they, – they just don't look good. Like – I think that that loss week one is one of them losses. Like, um, I want to say it's like the year that we lost to the Titans, the one that just kind of sets up the whole season for failure. Mm -hmm. Like that week one game, that just. I mean, it's it's pretty similar. A lot of off season hype. Um, couple couple of neat additions. Year two, Um, you know, get blown out at home. A lot of turnovers by a second-year QB. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, it, it does sound a little familiar, doesn't it? Huh? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And a diet baker Mayfield at quarterback. A diet baker. 
Yeah, I mean, I like that's I I mean, that's pretty generous, generous. If you want to ask me, Um, you you know, now I'd I'd love for somebody, um, you know, to actually debate me on this. But I'm I I rewatched a a good chunk. I would say probably the first quarter of that game and Pickett's progressions. I, I mean, he looks like me trying to read the newspaper after eight beers going through his progressions, man. It's yeah. extremely slow and he's not thrown no. with any anticipation, man. Yeah. He's so like me and Madden, isn't he, Christian? He's like <laughs> me and Madden. I got I'm I'm a two read, I'm a two read quarterback in Madden, dude. If I'm I can read two routes and that is it, then I'm sacked. Mm-hmm. That's picking. Um you know, like we said earlier in the year, this is before the season even started. I don't know if you remember this, Mac. But I compared the DTR stats in college to P- Kenny Pickett's stats, and oh, I'm yeah. still today. I would still take DTR over Kenny Pickett right now. Right now, people can hate on me. You can throw my name in the dirt. I don't care. I'm standing yeah. on that right there because Kenny yeah. Pickett is not a good quarterback. I mean, obviously, to be in the NFL, you're gonna have some talent. I'm not knocking <laughs> the guy there, but to act like this guy is on a level with, like, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, like these cats are saying, like, he's going to be top ten. No. Yeah. No. He's going to be top ten waiting for a job at Walmart here in about three years if he keeps up the way he's playing. Oh, they, man. They, clip they that clip right there. They they all misunderstood what was actually going on last year, right? Because yeah. mm-hmm. they had their, their oh, down oh. right? So, oh, Summer just yeah, said, no, got to be the receiver gloves. Did you guys hear about – um? What happened the other day with Kenny Pickett? So he went into the local um, sporting Hibbets, like the Hibbets Sports, to go get some oh, receiver God. gloves. And he snatched the last pair of kids' uh, receiver gloves. And the kid that went in after him cried. Kenny Pickett said, I need these for Sunday, kid, and pushed him. I wish somebody would have filmed that. I really uh, wish somebody would have filmed that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe that it. That doesn't sound real. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. But but what is real is they they were like Pittsburgh right. fans think that Kenny Pickett was the reason why they turned their season around last year because not not everybody remembers but I do. Steelers were in the AFC North basement for several weeks and then all of a sudden turned it around. They had this great spurt, right? Yeah. They thought it was because of the change at quarterback. No, it's because TJ Watt came back. They're winning all these all these games by, you know, less than a field goal and they're scoring less than, you know, 21 points yeah. points per game. It's not because yeah. you're a quarterback, man. It's because your best defensive player came back. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Mm-hmm. So Cam Hayward's out this week. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be real interesting to see where because I looked through it. Oh because yeah, my that's not true, guys. I was my uh, immediate thought was okay. So Cam Hayward, Cam Hayward's out. What what the hell does this Steelers defense look like without him? I tried digging through since he was drafted in 2012. He only missed 11 games, and the last game that he missed was the last game of the season in 2020, and that was due to his coach just sitting him. Um, so and. It, it, it's so it's just like you, you can't even pull these stats and try to yeah. make sense of it because it was football that was played a decade ago, right? But mm-hmm. TJ Watt, for the first time in his career, is going to be playing 
without a guy that makes his job easier. The reason why TJ Watt is one of those edge defenders that never gets double teamed is because of Cam Hayward. The reason why he doesn't have to worry about contain and QBs stepping up in the pocket is because of Cam Hayward. And he no longer has that. So it's going to mm-hmm. be it's going to be interesting. Now, with that being said, this is the bear front, right? This is the 5-2. And my dog's pulling my phone down. Thank you for that buff. But this is the bear front, right? Notice three defensive tackles inside the C-gaps, inside those offensive tackles there. So there's going to be a lot of beef. And, yeah. All right. All right but okay. So there's going to be a lot of beef on the interior of that D line. So it's it's going to be it's going to be a tall order no matter who's in there, you know, uh between between Batonio, Ethan Poshik, um and Wyatt Teller. So it's going to be real cool. interesting to see and another matchup that I talked about earlier in in my segment. Um now was the segment a little bit harsh? Was I a little bit upset? Yes. But at the end of the day, in four games, in the past four games, Alonzo Highsmith versus Jed Wills has 11 pressures and six sacks. Why is nobody talking about that? Everybody. And I, I have, I have fan, I'm originally from Warren, like the Youngstown area. So naturally I know a good chunk of Steelers fans. Hell, I got some of the family, um, you know, God, God bless them, but they, they were led astray. Anyway, they have they have told me they love that matchup, Alonzo Highsmith on Jed Wills, and I don't blame them because blame it, them it's yeah it's it's scary. I, I mean, yeah, we're all talking about Dewan Jones on TJ yeah. Watt and like how we're going to chip this guy and how we're going to get the ball out early. But what the hell are we going to do on the other side? Because yeah. what San Fran did against this Pittsburgh Steelers defense is they ran away from TJ Watt the whole game. They they just they just decided hey. We're just going to run the ball on the left side and just do everything that we can to just completely just take him out of the game. Well, uh, Jed, better buckle your chin strap, buddy, because it's going to be a long game. And I, I, I hope, I hope that today, like that last week was a wake up call. I I really hope that he kind of sat down and said, Hey, you know, I, I really didn't give it my best effort. Um, you know, I, it's not like I, I hurt my teammate on purpose, but due to me not finishing the play, our starting right tackle got his knee blown out. And I mean, that's just the truth. You could, you could go back and throw the replay on. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. he gets blown by, he leans his body weight onto him. And instead of selling out for the block, he just right. Pushes him into Conklin's knee. So that's what, that's what I'm concerned about because you, you know, and, and 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 I'm sorry for talking too long here, guys. Um, hmm. But well, you did send angry Buffalo hours. So. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Kevin Stefanski's 0-4 against T.J. Watt, and that's for a reason, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But now, with with that being said, he has something that he hasn't had before, which is an extension of the run game. He has an ability to get the ball out to several playmakers, whether that be Marquise Goodwin, whether that be Elijah Moore, Nick Chubbs heavily more heavily involved in the you know in the passing game now so he does have the tools to get it done but you know even with came hayward out it's still going to be a task for this browns offense and that's going to be the matchup because i know the defense is going to get it done that's that's no problem i know jim schwartz and his boys are going to be ready to play okay they're going to get that dog bone chain out and 
they're going to be barking, right? Yeah. They're going to be barking. It's going to be. Can I get a bark real yeah. quick, boys? Can we oh, bark? Oh, for the oh, oh, oh. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, hey, you know, you know what I can't wait to see is I want to see Wyatt Teller do one of his 25 yard down the field pancake blocks on Minka. <laughs> that would be funny. Are you ready? Well, Are you guys ready to see, you not see that him again? said it earlier in the chats. Did you not see Wyatt Teller pancake oh, 15 yards down the field? Beautiful. That was nuts. incredible. Yeah. He drove him 15 yards down the field and then pancaked him. Was that Jermaine Pratt? On him. It was Pratt. Huh? It was Pratt. It was yeah, it was, yeah, it was Pratt. Yeah. I just took him for a ride. What said, a, hey, buddy. What a said, That's he said, buckle up, boys. We're going for a ride. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Those guys get paid no matter what the outcome of that game, you guys. And that's the those are the kind of effort plays that you can tell with your own eyes. You can tell that players are passionate and excited to be there. Players who aren't excited and, and don't feel confident about their team's ability to win – don't drive a middle linebacker 15 yards down the field and pancake them. They don't. Mm -hmm. They do just enough so they don't get called out in the film in the film room the next day, and they can still get their game check. So these are just more examples of how these guys are really fired up and bought in to what's going on in there right now. Mm -hmm. So yeah. K KFC, I know you were going to mention it, um, but just for the people at home, um, can you can you talk about Mika Fitzpatrick and uh, his dilemma every time he plays the Browns? Buddy, let me tell you, brother. Let me tell you, brother. He has a daddy, and his name Nicholas Jamal Chubb. Listen, I already know there's going to be at least two plays where Nick Chubb puts his big meaty paws on that man's chest and throws him through the center of the universe like he does every year. It's going to happen at least one or two times. And it's going to be amazing. Oh, he grabs him right here mid-chest, throws him just into oblivion. The greatest the tweet of all time was Minka Fitzpatrick on Father's Day saying, I'd like to say happy Father's Day to my dad, Nick Chubb. That was the greatest <laughs> of all time, dude. That was right. awesome. Jake, let's hear it. your insight uh, for the Monday Night Game. Well, uh, all of you guys have brought out a lot of really good points. Um and we know that San Francisco beat them or beat the Steelers 37 to 7. I'm pretty sure that was the score. Um, and people will probably try to say, well, we're not San Francisco. Cleveland's not San Francisco. And of course, San Francisco does have the best defense in the NFL right now, I do believe. But I also believe Cleveland's not far behind. The gap between our defensive line and San Francisco's defensive line is not that great of a gap. Uh, I think it was how many times did Pickett get sacked against the 49ers? Maybe five. I can't remember. I he, got sacked. Yeah. he got sacked a lot. We could very possibly do that same thing. I do believe, though, that Pittsburgh's offensive line is better than Cincinnati's offensive line, so we're not going to see as many Cleveland players in the backfield than what we did this past Sunday. Um, but I do think it'll be um, pretty effective. I do feel like, and Dave, I might need you to encourage me on this one, buddy, like make me feel better, but I think it's going to be pretty low scoring on both ends. I don't think it's going to be a flashy game. I think we will um, stop uh, Pittsburgh's offense pretty easily. I don't think it's going to be – they're going to score a lot. They'll probably score like 10 to 17, maybe 21. 
But they're going to do everything they can to stop us from scoring as well. Like Mac was saying, you know, Dewan Jones is going to have a pretty tough time with TJ Watt. I hate to say it, Jedrick Wills, unless he gets his act together, he's he may struggle as well. So uh, Deshaun may uh, struggle a little bit in the Monday night game because of that pressure. Mm-hmm. But that being said, you know, um, so if we're doing score predictions, uh, I still think Cleveland wins, but I think it'll be something like 17 to 10, 20 to 10, something like that. Okay. Solid, solid. See, okay, I'm going to go over the injury report for this game. So, people on the injury report, as of today, today is September 13th. Looks like the Browns have Juan Thornhill. He's questionable where he was out last week, but I believe he will play this Sunday – or this Monday versus Pittsburgh. Jack Conklin is on IR now um, with a torn ACL and MCL. Pittsburgh has DeMarvin Leal, questionable – uh, this is one of the names, Mac, um, that you're going to laugh at me for trying to pronounce. Chukawama Okafora. <laughs> he is questionable. Uh, Cam Hayward out. Pat Fryermuth has been questionable. So I guess he, I think he'll actually play though. And then Deontay I think so too. is out as well. So. Oh. Yeah. That's going to be a big hit because I mean, really they've got. Yeah, it's George uh, Pickens and nobody. They got what's his face, Robert Woods. Is it Robert Woods? Is that who it is? No, Allen Robinson. Yeah. Allen Robinson. See, yeah, a fifty-year-old Allen Robinson. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you know, I think that this team still has a lot to prove. I think they're getting a little bit of credit in the media, but if you think about it, all you heard in the media was just how bad, just how bad Cincinnati was. It wasn't how good Cleveland was. It was yeah. Oh, Burrow still hurt. Barrow didn't practice. Barrow didn't play in the preseason. Da, 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 da. The yeah. O line was bad. It's not yeah. how the Browns just physically dominated them. Yeah. Out, just out physicality them. That came out so bad. But you know, it's just like they came out. They lifted weights. They're stronger. They showed them who had the bigger balls, and that's what happened on Sunday. And I believe. Yeah. Come Monday, these boys are still gonna be fired up in them dope yeah. uniform and that white helmet. And that's I think, right. Yeah, and I think that the uh, all white suit. And I think the weather's gonna be a little bit better come Monday. And I think that the Hopefully. Browns are gonna try to air it out on that mm-hmm. secondary. And I think yeah. Watson's mm-hmm. gonna try to, you know, he's gonna try to show himself out there. You know, he's gonna be like, okay, I'm gonna show you guys what I can do again. He's gonna show that he he still got that dog in him. A lot of people have been throwing crap on his name. I mean, all the stuff that happened last year, you know, I mean, if you want to dog him for that, go ahead. But I think that he'll come in. He's going to tune out all the noise because, you know, on the road, they're going to be doing their chance against Watson. He's going to tune them out. He's going to go in there and throw for three touchdowns and 295 yards with a score of 30 to 17. There you go. Ooh, I like okay. it. I like it. Man. Okay. I like it. Look at that. Like Look at it. that smile on his face, too. And he takes a sit. That's a power move right there. Oh, you want to even see a bigger power move? Yeah. Whoa. Um, is that legal? Yeah. So, don't forget, everybody at home, um, comment, tweet at us your score predictions. If you get it on the money, we'll send you something. 
um, but we don't play close wins. You either got to get it exactly right or no dice. Um, Now, for me, um, I do think, again, I mean, Cameron Hayward's out, but the Steelers' defense, you can't really ever count them out. And it's, I mean, it's just how they, they've been built. I mean, you know, they still got TJ Watt. Um, they still have Mika Fitzpatrick. They still have Alonzo Highsmith. Um, you, you know, I, I think it's going to be one of those relatively close games with the Browns pulling away at the end. Um, I, I would say probably 24 to 10. Um, but I, I really think a majority of the scoring is going to happen probably in the third quarter here. Um, so, I, again, tw- 24 to 10 Browns. Sure. Heck yeah. What you, DM? Yeah. So, listen, that's the thing is we all got to get like this because we're all we're – all, there's anxiety over a Steelers game. There always is. We just don't feel good about it. They've owned us for 50 straight years, it feels like. This is after this game. I hope you guys can all get on board with me with how absolutely destructive we are. Uh, my prediction for the score is going to be 31 10. I think, I think that I think their touchdown is going to be garbage time. I think it's going to be 31 to three by the third quarter. And yeah, it this is this is we need to we need to soak this in, we need to enjoy every minute of this. Every bone in my body wanted to say this is going to be a slugfest, and like Max said, it's probably going to the Browns are going to stretch their legs at the end of the game, pull it out, maybe win by 10, 14 points. I don't think it's I don't think it's close from the moment go. I think initially they come out, they hit the Steelers in the mouth so hard, and I think the Steelers fold. I think there's mm. there's turmoil inside that locker room. I think Mike Tomlin has never been more uh, more uh, criticized and ridiculed based off of what I'm seeing than he is right now, which I can't believe because personally, I think Mike Tomlin's a great leader. He's a great coach. He says some crazy stuff sometimes, but he has done fantastic things with mediocre players for years and years and years, and he needs credit for that. But I think yeah. there's turmoil in that locker room. I think genuine turmoil. I think George Pickens is just the smoke of the fire that's really burning in there. And if just like um, I talked about with the Buckeyes, with uh, McCord, if he can't get that ball to those stud receivers – those receivers will cause havoc in a locker room. And I think mm-hmm. George Pickens and the Steelers are going to be the same way. Um, I just, I really feel like it will be. Um, I will be completely shocked if it's not. Hopefully after this blowout win, you guys will all come on board with the train that's going down right now and be a believer because I don't think it's going to be close. And I think it's going to be over pretty early. I think people are going to be switching to other games by halftime. That's my prediction. Heck yeah. Hey, can I ask you guys one favor? My nephew just posted something on there, and I thought it was kind of a cool question. If the Browns didn't exist, who would your favorite teams be? Like, so who's your number two? Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Easy. Like, mine would be the Bears. Probably the Titans. The Titans? Yeah. Ooh, so you're going to have a little bit of a – Week three is going to be a little bit of a mm, for you. No, I would just do that just because Nashville is only like four hours away. Oh, yeah. okay. What about you, Jake? Name or Atlanta. Name or uh, Atlanta. Probably the Colts. 
because I got a really good friend that's a Colts fan, and I've got a couple of family members that live in Indy, so probably the Colts. And usually, like, if the Colts beat a, another team or something, I'll message my buddy and say, hey, man, your Colts did a good job, and I was rooting for them, blah, blah, blah. Uh, which, yeah, which, of course, when Cleveland plays them week six, week seven, I will definitely be rooting for my Browns. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, me as well. Mac, what about you? Um, So – I would I would either go one or two teams. Um, there was a period in my life where I rooted heavily for the Patriots because they were the only team that could beat the Steelers in the playoffs. Um, <laughs> you know, and it was uh, it, it was one of those things where like I could not stand watching Ben Roethlisberger win, and the only guy that could beat him was it tr- was Tom Terrific. Tom right? Brady. Yeah. Um, yeah, the other team that I would say possibly um, now. I realize as I've grown older how foolish I was as a kid, but one of my favorite quarterbacks growing up um, was Brett Favre. Um, Now that was before I learned about how much of an idiot that he is off the field um, and the fact that he couldn't read coverages, uh, but I loved watching him play. Um, But yeah, I I, more than likely, I'd probably say a Patriots fan just because again, I, I hated watching the Steelers win and it's, you know, grow, growing up in the Youngstown area, again, I mean, a lot of my friends were Steelers fans. I had Dude, cousins I had neighbors. My next-door neighbor yeah. across the street's a Steelers fan. Two houses oh. a Steelers fan. They're everywhere. Yeah. Well, I mean, Youngstown is practically diet Pittsburgh. Yeah, it is. Yep. You know, right. so. Way more Steelers fans here than Browns fans. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a cool. tough, tough boat to swallow for years. Yeah. But yeah. – you know, that's a great way to end the episode. We will be back sometime next week. We will not be live on Monday because the Browns play Monday. Yeah. And yes. we'll be hyped for that game, for the big dub that the Browns are going to lay on Pittsburgh in whatever it's called now. The cat the sure. Something like that. Okay. Something like that. It don't matter. Yeah. How the do you get rid of Heinz Field for $300,000? That's so ridiculous. <laughs> Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Follow what? us. Subscribe. Oh. <laughs> it helps. It helps. Thank you. Yeah, do you that. Just, you know, Facebook. I was like, what are you doing? I was... <laughs> okay, anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, thank you guys for tuning in. We will be back next week. Hopefully, we are talking about a big dub. But go ahead, Mac. Take it over. Well, well, one last thing. Did it last week. We got to do it this week. Hey, look at me. Ready? Here we go, brownies. Here we go. All right. Come hey, on. hey. Uh, last we week gotta, was good enough, we gotta, too. Hold on. Hold on. We'll get him He's to do get a treat real quick. Yeah. Come on, Buff. You can do it, Buff. Come on. Come on, buddy. What do you say? He's there. There you go. Good we'll boy. take two barks. We'll take yeah. it. We'll take it. Yeah. Thanks again, everybody tuning in. Um, we love you. Go Browns, baby. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns. Go Browns.